Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,555. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm revved up and very excited to share with you today a very special guest, Brian Nash, calling in from just north of me here in Seattle, Washington. Brian Nash is the founder and CEO of TunersCare.com. He's been the founder and leader of multiple car clubs. He's an amateur car photographer, which includes shooting at the London, Sydney, and LA auto shows, has retailed and prototyped auto parts, and has been a SEMA member since 2014. Brian is determined to pass the legacy of car culture on to the next generation and publishes children's books about motorsports. He is currently rebuilding his 91 Nissan 300ZX, regrets selling his 83 Toyota Celica GT, and secretly wants to build a retro mod El Camino. We're going to learn all about these cars and what he's doing in just a minute. We'll be back, but first a word from our valued sponsors, so sit tight. You know I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat protectors are easy on, easy off designs that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks. Their seat savers are custom tailored to fit your seats just like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable denim weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn a lot more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark Green at Cars Yow sent you. By the way, I've got a deal for you. You can get 10% off using the code YEAH120. That's Y-E-A-H-120 at checkout. Go to Covercraft.com, use the code YEAH120, and get 10% off today. Covercraft, they've got you covered. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car or if you have 200 in your garage. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get an exclusive SCM guide to restoration shops included for free. And I've got a couple very cool offers. One is if you go and subscribe to their digital subscription, you're going to get 50% off using the code CARSYEAH. That's right, 50% off their digital subscription. But wait, that's not all. If you go and subscribe and get their print magazine and use the code BSH, you get $10 off. That's right, $10 off. Why BSH? Well, that's the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast that I do every Tuesday with Keith Martin. You'll find it here on the Cars Yow website or using your mobile device with any mobile device podcast app, or you can find it at sportscarmarket.com. 
buysellhold.com. That's buy, sell, hold, the essence of collecting. Hey, Brian, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I absolutely am. I am literally buckled up, strapped into my racing seat, ready to go. <laughs> All right. I'll try to keep it between the guardrails so we don't have any incidents <laughs> today. Before I jump into the questions, though, I always like to ask my guests this question. Share one little thing about yourself that most people don't know about you. Okay. Well, you could find it out by doing some homework, but I don't think most of my friends have. <laughs> uh, my birthday was actually yesterday, and I share that birthday with Ferruccio Lamborghini. And so he's he's my birthday namesake, and I think we kind of share a lot of everything mechanical. You know, he built boats and cars and farm equipment and anything with an end he was into, and I appreciate that about him. So he's my birthday buddy, and he's been a good one. Ciao bella, fantastico. I like that. That's pretty darn cool. That's right. I realized now that, that was his birthday yesterday. So have you ever had the pleasure of visiting the Lamborghini factory? No, but I'm saving that for maybe a, maybe a 50th birthday, some okay. important birthday milestone. That'd be a pretty cool one. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I was, I've been there a couple times. Last time was quite a while ago. I believe it was in 2011, and they were just about to release the Aventador. And their factory is not very big. It's, it's a pretty small place. And they built this wall right down the middle of their factory. And we're walking around, and this lady's giving us a private tour. I said, what's on the other side of that wall? And she got this big smile, and she goes, secret, secret. And I said, well, <laughs> now you've got to tell us what's in there. And she goes, oh, no, 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 I can't take you in there. And I said, well, is it the new Reventador or Aventador? And she said, she got a big smile, and she goes, see, see, see. And I said, can't we just take a peek? And so she says, nope, <laughs> no pictures. So she opened the door and let us kind of peek in there, and we saw a couple of those cars. And literally the next That's week cool. is when they released that car to the public. So I guess I can say I got a scoop, even though I couldn't take a picture. Yeah, you did. A scoop you couldn't <laughs> share, yeah. Yeah, but it's a wonderful little factory, and if you can get there and have a private little tour, they make it very special. So definitely hand-built no, cars. It's a very different kind of place. Well, listen, as we continue on your journey, I'm going to start with a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has meaning for you. It's a nice way to get those inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah, so Brian, grab the wheel since you're buckled <laughs> in the seat. Yeah, uh, something that I that comes up to me a lot that sticks in my brain a lot is the quote, happiness isn't having what you want, it's wanting what you got. I mm. think that change in mindset in looking at what you have in front of you, what you've been dealt, what you're driving now, the job you're doing now, whatever it is that is your situation today, and just finding a way to love that thing doesn't mean you don't change it later, but finding a way to really own it, take pride in it, make it your own, that change in approach changes is how I live, and I think it changes how you approach how you get up in the morning. It's That's something that's really worked for me that um, that's you know gotten me this far. It's a spectacular way to think about things, and there's a couple things that come to mind. My wife used to do this with our children whenever they would say, oh, I want a new bike or hmm. a new Barbie or something. She'd walk them into the room and say, look at what you have. Be grateful for that because a lot of people don't have anywhere near the things that you have. So let's focus on that, not what you think you want. Absolutely. And yeah. also the uh, the idea of being grateful for what you have. I'll tell you if there's uh, there's a couple wonderful things I've learned after interviewing so many people. And one of them is the way to be happy if at any moment you're unhappy is to just stop and focus on what you're grateful for. You can't be unhappy when you're grateful, right? Right. Absolutely. And I, I think in, for car folks, especially, there's always a newer, hotter, faster one, you know, more than the one you have now. Mm -hmm. But there's always a treadmill. You're always on that treadmill lusting after the new version, the next year's model. And being really happy about the one you have and just 
really digging into it and finding out what's great about it and enjoying every, you know, last square inch of it while you have it, it makes you happier in the long run. Oh, it really does. And another little trick around that is close your eyes and go back to the enjoyment when you first got what you have, that vehicle that you have now. I, in my case, I have older cars. I have a V46 M3 I bought brand new in 2005. I like that car a lot, but you know, there's always that other one you want to have. Right. Sometimes I have to go out and just close my eyes and think about the day this thing arrived because I was literally there when the truck rolled up to the dealership and my car was, would I say, born? It came yeah. out of the birth canal because <laughs> it was all the it was the last car being dropped off at that dealer. And it was all the way in the back, so I got to watch it come forward. And whenever I go back to that, and of course I took pictures. I go back and open those pictures. I feel pretty grateful that I got to do that and that I still have it too. So that's cool. Well, it's a great way to go through life and it's a way to be terminally happy, which is uh, very, very important. Yeah, that's a good condition. Yeah, absolutely. And you can condition your brain to think that way too. If you just stop and focus, it, it works. Well, I would love for you to share a lot more about what you're doing these days. This tunerscare.com, you know, Chrissy at the, uh, Kristen, or Chrissy as we call her, at the LeMay Museum, she's been a guest here on the show, Chrissy Wells. And she was kind enough to introduce me to Brian and say, you got to have him on your show and listen to what he's up to. So I'd love for you to share more with our audience. What is TunersCare.com? What has you excited and fired up about getting out of bed every day? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is something I started a few years ago. I, I'll tell you the whole story about kind of how I ended up at that place and the, the bumpy road along the way of trying right. to re retail things. And I always have a few kind of you know projects on the burner. Um, I have a couple other things I'm doing right now besides this. I'm trying to you know prototype a headlight retrofit for some Nissan headlights, and I'm uh, working on a Hot Wheels car scale diecast race. We were going to do it in an event this summer, but now I'm trying to make it virtual. So I always kind of have these things. I'm going to give this a try, but I felt like there was a an opportunity and there was a problem that needed to be solved. Mm -hmm. And I like to solve problems. And I also am someone who is willing to play the long game. I'm willing to solve a problem that we won't bear the fruits of until 20 years from now. I have a lot of patience and, um, <laughs> that's, you know, sometimes <laughs> for the benefit you know, and sometimes not, but I saw this problem and I've noticed that we've started to talk about it in the industry a lot, um, especially at think shows like SEMA or when I talk to people that are work at parts shops or fabrication places or paint booths or whatever. Mm -hmm. They don't have enough new people coming in, new staff. They don't have enough people coming through the training schools that have these skills. And I looked at that and thought, well, if we don't start with people that are five years old, when they're 25 years old, they're not going to go to tech school mm -hmm. and then end up becoming part of the industry. So they were, I felt like everyone was really focused on let's reach out to 18 year olds and try to get them to go to tech college. And I'm thinking, how do we make sure that we have another generation of drivers and car enthusiasts altogether? And I just felt like for me, the community around this culture has been so valuable and I didn't want to see that dwindle off into oblivion just because not as many kids need a driver's license 50 years from now to get to school, right? And all these kind of automatic things that made us. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And, you know, the only reason you'll have a car in 50 years or 100 years will be because you play with it on the weekends. And so what, what, what will drive those kids to want to do that? Why will they care? So like there's this whole long game we have to play. There's this long con we need to start on the next couple generations of people to help them find their niche in that 
world. And so that 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 was kind of plaguing me. It was kind of bothering me. I tried a few different things, and the one that seemed to be seemed to stick, that seemed to be um, that seemed to make me happy and also hopefully work, <laughs> um, is starting with the youngest kids and starting with bedtime stories and starting with those really special stories that parents and aunts and uncles and older cousins and big brothers and sisters tell younger kids about their own passions. I can go try to tell people why they should care and why they should be excited, but it's so much more real when your dad tells you about his weekend racing league, when your mom tells you about the dream car that she's saving up for, when you hear someone else's passion that you care about, then it infects you. And so I thought I need to give these parents another tool to do that. A lot of the stuff that we do when we go to car club meets on the weekends isn't as kid friendly. Your kids just kind of are drug along for the ride and that there's got to be a way to sort of cross that barrier. So that's where I came up with it. And it's been confusing and bumpy and exciting and fun and heartwarming and frustrating and all the things that starting a business are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, absolutely. Are you familiar with an organization called Tech Force? I have. Yeah, I've heard of those guys. Okay. Yeah, it brings that to mind. Um, I've had many people from Tech Force, including the director, Jennifer Mayer, who's also the uh, director at the LeMay America's Car Museum, uh, Cindy Sisson, who I've become good friends with that works there, Dana Rappaport, Tina Smith. Those are some of the ladies that are involved in Tech Force, mm-hmm. which their whole focus is bringing forward uh, ability and possibilities and opportunities for young people to work in the automotive industry. So it might be something you want to align yourself with and think about. Absolutely. You know, maybe there's some kind of blending of ideas or work there or something like that, because that's their whole focus. Some of us kind of reminds me of a Mike Rowe thing where he's always talking about, mm. you know, what you call blue taller jobs or tech jobs or hands-on jobs or anything in the industry that's thought of as different than normal. And for a lot of these kids that are being told they should go to college and take out massive debt and get a liberal arts degree, and they still don't know what they want to do when they really should be maybe learning something that they can dig their hands into. And and work on that would be enjoyable for them and give them an opportunity to have a career. So yeah, absolutely. Is there a place people can go to learn more about tunerscare.com? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, the website is probably the best place, um, okay. which is tunerscare.com. Uh, I tell a little bit more about the story and you can see the two children's books that I've published so far. Um, I also um, talk a lot about the projects and what's going on on Twitter and on Facebook. And that's where I engage with a lot of the parents and, you know, we, have great conversations about, you know, here, here we are reading at home. And, and then I explain to my kids why we're a Ford family. And, you know, cause my dad was a Ford guy in this, <laughs> what, what that, what it means to be into that. Or now my kids want to come to the you know racetrack and find out, you know, what I do there on weekends. And those stories are really the part that's been really rewarding. And so right. um, those are places to find out a little more about what, what it's, what's going on. We don't have all the in-person things right this summer. I don't think it won't be quite the same. So that was, it's an especially important time to sort of tell those online stories. Yes. (laughs) So that's really where I've been focusing. And I'm actually Chrissy from LeMay Museum. She and I have been talking a bit about what she's doing, what America's Automotive Trust is doing Mm -hmm. with their Facebook group for kids that are into cars. And so there's a lot of that kind of neat stuff happening. And I'm trying to um, see how I can help those things get off the ground. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe their Facebook page is Kids Love Cars 2. Is that right? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. So uh, I'll make sure I put a link to that as well. They're having some fun yeah, there. Yeah, it's a great group. Yeah, with that there where, uh, in fact, 
Christy and I are going to work together to perhaps bring some of these young people forward to be guests here on Cars. Yeah, I've had some, had some young people on the show. One of them is a local young man who's started a detailing business when he was 14 years old, made enough money to buy his first car before he was 15. That's very cool. Having some fun. I believe he just turned 15, actually. So yeah, it's uh, wonderful. And it's a way to engage. And boy, talk about long thinker. That's you, Brian, 20 years out. <laughs> that's a long thought. Well, let's talk about a, a road that you've gone down that's been a big challenge or even a big failure. Walk us through that particular situation. But the most important part of this story needs to be how you overcame it and, of course, what did it teach you? So take <laughs> us on a little bumpy ride, would you? Yeah, you bet. Yeah, before I started selling the books, I was trying to find some way to you know, approach automotive aftermarket a little differently. My initial thought was that I would sell parts, retail parts online, but that I would take a portion of those proceeds and donate it in a way that helped encourage the same mission. I was like, I'll sell, if you, if you can buy the same, you know, new shocks or you can buy the same brake pads, but part of your sale goes toward getting kids excited about cars in the future, or it goes to some kind of children's charity, that that would be a way to kind of change the tone of what we were doing, mm-hmm. you know, retailing parts and, and, and pushing metal around. Right. And so that was my initial, you know, several years ago idea. And you know, I put a lot of effort into trying to get a really solid website up and getting 10,000 plus SKUs listed and, you know, all the mechanics of running a retail business and working with drop shippers and figuring out the math of, you know, how I was going to automatically price stuff and systems to turn off something if it was out of stock. So it wouldn't be on the website and customer service you know program and oh yeah all the stuff you have to do. And when you're starting from zero and you're bootstrapping it, you kind of do all of it yourself, even if you have help. And even if you have systems, your fingers are kind of in all of it. <laughs> and yeah, I like, I like my problem solver and I like trying to figure things out. And so there were a lot of things to figure out and I was having fun, but just about the time I started to get a little traction, started to get a few sales, started to feel like maybe this is going to work. I woke up one morning and had lost $5,000 overnight due to credit card fraud, oh, um, which was basically no. like, you know, in, in one minute you lose a month of sales. And, oh, yeah. Um, and it just it hit me that it was way more complicated than I was willing to admit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was it was going to be there going to be a wealth, a lifetime of stuff I would need to learn in order to be truly successful at it. And I stepped back from it, like shut down temporarily, shut down the website store, and just kind of stepped back and said, "Let's look at this again with fresh eyes. What do I like about it? What do I want to keep? And what do I not want to keep?" And I talked with a bunch of my friends in the industry and just friends that are entrepreneurs and what am I doing wrong here? Like, is this a crazy idea? And um, one of my friends um, who actually ended up leaving the tech industry to go buy a winery said, don't sell the barrel, sell the wine. That was his <laughs> advice to me uh-huh. was that you're doing the part. That's not the important part. You're delivering the same good that someone else can deliver. Mm-hmm. What they're paying for is the thing. And so if, if, if people buy the wine, they don't, they don't pay for the barrel that it was made in. So try to make sure that the thing you're doing is the wine. Mm-hmm. And I figured out, and I, my boil this down for you summary is that there are really only three ways to be different when you're selling auto parts or anything retail. And it's either one, you sell it for cheaper Two, you sell things to a specific audience that you know really well, and you cure 
that and you provide expertise right. and you see that a lot in automotive you know the shop that specializes in air cool vws they sell parts from all over the place different brands but they collect them and they can give you expertise about them and they can recommend them and they know the car really well and so it doesn't matter that it's the same parts you could get somewhere else a lot of times you're willing to pay them extra for it mm-hmm. than you would get them from the big catalog because they help you make sure you got the right stuff and so that's one way And then the third way is to sell something that no one else has. Right. And that's to be the wine, right? Right. And so I stepped back and said, if I really want to do this and do it at a scale that I can manage myself, that doesn't, you know, knock me over off my feet, I need to do the third thing, come up with things that are unique that only I sell. And then I can decide how big of an operation I want that to be. And I can sort of control my own natural ambitions a little bit. Sure. Sure. And so that's when I, we, I sort of, you know, stepped back and said, what if I just did the books and we shut down everything else and I just focused on this idea of the bedtime stories, which is something that I was kind of doing in parallel at the time. Mm-hmm. But I made that the only thing other than, you know, a few I, I can't not have side projects. So there's always a, this one headlight thing and there's this one, you know, whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> the meat of the sandwich now. Is, You're a victim <laughs> of shiny chrome objects. Uh, <laughs> what I used to call the squirrel syndrome. Have you heard the term sell the sizzle, not the steak? I have heard that, yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's something that applies here. In that case, when you think about that term, which has been coined a long time ago, but basically says you don't sell the product, you sell the idea behind the product. And I went through a very similar exercise years ago when I was with a, a what was then a startup company and we were trying to figure out how we get people to buy from us, what we should sell them, all the things that you're dealing with there. And we had a consultant come in and talk with us. And he kept asking this question, why would people buy from you? And he just kept going back to it. And we'd we'd have all these different answers for him. But he said, nope, that's not why. Nope, that's not why. Nope, that's not why. Why would people sell from you? And it's the same answer as the sizzle. People want to buy from you because of how it makes them feel. And he used a great example. He looked at me and he said, Mark, you're wearing a shirt with a a shirt with a polo pony on it. Do you play polo? And I said, no. (laughs) He said, do you want to play polo? I said, no. He said, have you ever aspired or tried playing polo? No. Then why on earth do you have a (laughs) shirt with a polo pony on it? And he dug down a little deeper. And where it came to was that shirt made me feel good. And that shirt made me feel good because it was a high-end brand. It was associated with people who were affluent and successful. Therefore, I wanted to feel like I was that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it really helped me open my eyes. And if you fast forward to what say what I'm doing now, part of this exercise of, well, six years now with, uh, well, six years in uh, in just a few days, actually, I started Cars Yeah. Oh, wow. Is that... That's, that's very cool. Is, well, thanks, is trying to understand your why. And I've said this before on the show, if you go and watch a great Simon Sinek TED Talk, or even Simon Sinek, he has a great talk on Google, just Google Simon Sinek, and he has a talk called Why?, and mm-hmm. it's, it's all about understanding your why. Why are you doing what you're doing? And really getting deep and clear on the reason for that. And it applies to exactly what you're talking about here, Brian, is deciding why you're doing that. You went through that process without realizing it the way I did. I did. I got I got pushed through that process, like being pushed down a set 
basically. Yeah. But, but at the bottom of the stairs was the why. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Through that fraud situation. And so um, it's an important process. And I share this with everyone listening because it's important whenever you're going to go down any path and try anything, it's important to stop and ask yourself the whys because those will define the reasons you're doing something and then help direct you. It's the same as understanding the polo pony on the shirt. Right. Why would I wear a shirt with a polo pony? Or why do I somebody wear a watch that says Rolex on it when they could buy a $20 watch that would perform just as well, maybe even better because it doesn't right. have to, to get serviced for $5,000 yeah, yeah. every couple of years or 500 whatever it is. So exactly. Well, it's a great story and I appreciate you sharing it with us. It's an important lesson for anybody who's venturing down any path. So thanks for taking us there. Let's take a short break. Thank our sponsors and then we'll be right back. So sit tight. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting. But what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. All right, we are back, and I would love for you to share a story with us that instigated this personal passion you have for cars. Is there a moment in your life when you sat back and said, oh, my gosh, I'm a car guy? Boy, you know, um, I don't know that I can remember a point before I felt like I was a car guy. <laughs> I really tried. I, I tried to think about a time when that wasn't true. My dad ran a small engine repair shop when I was really young. And so I would spend Saturdays there opening all those little cardboard drawers, looking at all the weird little parts Mm -hmm. and asking him nonstop, what is this? That's a (laughs) valve spring. What is this? That's a tool for adjusting carburetor flow. And just wanting to know how all the bits and pieces worked, wanting to take the engine apart, wanting to see how things came together, Mm -hmm. loving it when you actually pulled the cord and the engine started and that sound and like the how exciting it was to put it together and have it work. Yeah. So I was always into engines of all sorts. My first car, my dad and I bought the neighbor's boat. 
What? They, they, well, they had blown their engine at the lake the previous summer and it was just sitting. And so my dad bought it for cheap and we tore the engine down and put it back together. Oh. Like a couple times, had some fun with it and then sold it. And that was the money for my first car. And so anything engine wise, I, I really am like, you know, the reincarnation of Fruccio Lamborghini in some ways, because I'm like, whatever's got an engine I'm interested in. <laughs> so I was, was always into things with motors and yeah. I had wallpaper with 18 wheelers on it when I was re- really young. <laughs> yeah, any, any movie with an 18 wheeler in it, I was into. I watched Smokey and the Bandit a hundred times. But at some point... I realized that the bandit in the Trans Am was the one having more fun than the trucker in the 18 wheeler. No I was like, I want to be the guy in the Trans Am. Yeah. Cause yeah. Well, he he, got the he's girl the one that's too. really having a good time. Right. He also gets the girl. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think he's the one that wins that movie. Right. Yeah. And that vehicle was, was fantastic and iconic and, and full of spirit. And um, so I, at some point flipped over, but it didn't, it didn't. It like didn't diminish my interest in everything else mechanical. I just added that on top. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, I don't. I don't have like a moment where I thought, "Ooh, this is it." But it was more just that like I was born with the infection, and the disease has just spread continuously my whole life. <laughs> well, it sounds like an environmental infection to me with your dad, what he did, and all those types of projects that just built upon themselves. How about your first vehicle that had great meaning for you? What was that? Well, it, it actually was that first one. It was the one that we sold the boat to buy. Uh-huh. I bought a 1983 Toyota Celica GT. So my parents had specific rules. My mom didn't want me to get anything with more than four cylinders because I was looking at Mustangs with V8s in them. And she was like, absolutely not. <laughs> um, she said nothing red. She felt like red cars were faster and nothing with more than four cylinders. Okay. And my dad had a dollar amount budget for me. I could spend $2,000. And so those are my limitations. And so I found this 83 Celica. It had the 2.2 liter four, which was the biggest four cylinder I could find. And it was rear wheel drive. It was a five speed. It was had a black interior and it was red on the outside, but it was only half red. I was going to say, how'd your mom let you get away my with that? My mom let me go on that because it was, it ticked all the other boxes. She let oh, it go okay. on the color, but it was, you know, had a terrible paint job. Mm-hmm. And so that was the first winter I had it. My dad and I sanded it down and um, a friend of his repainted it in his semi-amateur uh, paint booth. He did a fantastic job. Um, I wish he was still in the business because I'd love that kind of paint job again for $500. But my dad and I, it took less like a few weeks maybe to get all the sanding work done. But meantime, I'm still driving it to school. Yeah. So we would, you know, sand it down and then primer up that bit. And then I drive it to school the next day. <laughs> and a couple of weeks into this, when it's all looks like it's, you know, patchwork with gray and black primer spots all over it and bits of red sticking out. Uh, one of the school officials came and found me in between classes and said, Hey, you know, I just wanted to let you know that we're, we're looking into what happened with your car. I was like, what are you talking about? What happened to my car? And he's like, well, you know, because a couple of the kids told us that it got vandalized. And so we're trying to figure out if we can find out who did. And I was like, my car got vandalized. So I run out and look at it. And I'm like, no, no, I did this. No, this is fine. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, purpose. that's a work in progress. Yeah, well, yeah. No, no, that's funny. Cool. That's this, hilarious. Yeah. Well, how about if you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, what would Brian be? Hmm, that's a good one. I've never owned one, but I've driven a couple. So I, I have a sense of what their spirit is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with a Supra Impreza WRX. Okay. Um, I think they're a combination of like that dependable, always there for you kind of jack of all trades machine that can be a track car. It can be a road car. It can be on road. It can be dirt track. You've got a bit of technology, but it still respects some classic traditions. You still get a manual shifter and some of the things that we don't, some of those legacy things we don't want to let go of. I think that's, that's me in a car. It's, I'm all about 
modern technology, but I always have one hand in tradition and hanging on to things that matter. And I like the idea of being able to dabble in anything that seems interesting at the time and to be headed down the paved road, but see a dirt track and just dive into it. Um, <laughs> I like that kind of uh, adaptability. I love it. Very cool. Well, we're getting into what I call the last lap, a little bit of a lightning round. I'm going to fire off some quick questions, All right. get some quick answers from you, some quick throttle blips of that Subaru Impreza. <laughs> so here, here we go. What's one of your personal habits you believe has helped you along the way be successful? Always being curious and always wanting to learn, always looking at something and asking, how does that work? Or when you're looking at a person, think, why do they think that? <laughs> how about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, that you could ask them, why do you think that? <laughs> All right. Well, as long as it's a it's a, a fantasy dinner, I would also add that I can suddenly speak Portuguese okay. so that I could sit down with Ayrton Senna because ah. he's one of those people that seems like he almost has a halo over his head. Yeah. And I think to meet him in person would help you understand him in a way that you never can secondhand. Well, I'd like to join you and my regular listeners know this. I have one of his quotes on the back of my business card because of uh, my passion for him. I mean, just mm -hmm. an incredible person. Yeah, that Absolutely. would be one fantastic dinner. We'd have to do that one together. So sounds like a nice way to spend an evening. How about I agree. the best automotive advice someone else has ever given you? Well, when I got my first car and I took it out to my grandparents to show them, I was all excited. My grandpa told me, take good care of it and it will always get you home. And oh, yeah. that he was right. You know, if you pay attention and you listen and you take good care of things, they will take good care of you. Oh, yeah. Great advice. How about a resource? Is there one out there you think our listeners should tap into? Well, we talked about what America's Automotive Trust is doing. I want to um, remind everyone about that again, about the Kids Love Cars 2 Facebook group and just what um, America America's Automotive Trust is doing right now. They share the mission that I have, which is to continue this love affair with the car into another generation. And so, you know, for an organization out there that's aligned so much with what I believe in, I have to promote them and encourage everyone to check them out. Absolutely. I'll make sure I put links to that up there. And again, Thanks. a shout out to Chrissy Wells and what they're doing there at uh, America's Automotive Trust uh, LeMay Museum. And of course, I'll mention Tech Force again as well. How about a book, Brian? Is there one you'd like to share with us? Yeah, if you haven't read Brock Yates' book, Cannonball, yeah. um, I think that is just a fantastic story. It's this snapshot of bravery and stupidity, <laughs> and it's just it's this little window into a time in auto culture when you know that that story couldn't have happened in the same way at any other time. And it just it really captures what it was like to be a gearhead in the 70s. And it's a fantastic story. Yeah. And I had uh, Brock Yates' son, Brock Yates Jr., as mm -hmm. a guest here on the show. So you can go back and find that show. I will. And I've had three Cannonball record setters on the show. The most recent ones that were on the show were a short time ago, but now I hear somebody else has set a new yes. record with this pandemic situation with a lot less people on the roadway. So uh, not that we condone such type of driving, but it's kind of a fascinating story. So you could go back and uh, listen to any of those. Yeah, guests. I hope you can get that person on too. That'll be yeah, great. Yeah, well, I'll figure out who they are. I haven't heard who that person is yet or those people. So we'll kind of see where we go with that. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here, Brian. This last question can be a bit of a doozy, but it's a nice thought. I'm going to buy you a collector car. Oh, wow. Any collector car you'd like to have, but there are some rules to my game. It's the only one you can have. You have to drive it. Uh, no garage queens, and you can't sell it to fund a business or buy a bunch of other toys. So that little uh, trick is off the table. That's like the genie to one wish. I want a thousand wishes. Nah, can't do that. So what can I buy you today? 
Wow. Well, actually, the one I would like, I have painted on a skateboard hanging on the wall behind me right now. Okay. Steve Millen's uh, number 75 Nissan 300ZX from 1994. There's only one of them, so it's worth a lot and hard to track down. Uh, although there was number 76, its sister car. But in that year, that car won its class, the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Uh-huh. It won the 12 Hours of Sebring. And the sister car won the 24 Hours of Daytona. It's just this epic race car. It's just uh, one of my favorites. I have you know models of it. And I said it's painted on a skateboard on my wall. I've got a poster of it. It would definitely be that one. I'll leave it to you to track that down for me. You'll probably have to arm <laughs> wrestle somebody at the Nissan Heritage Museum for it. But I tr- trust you can make that happen. The red, white, and blue car. Yep. If I, yeah, think of the thing. Yeah. In fact, there's some pretty cool uh, videos out there of that car that you can watch of that car running. And I think... Gosh, my mind might be going a little uh, haywire here, but I'm thinking I might have even seen that car run at one time really? at Pebble Beach. I'm wondering if they brought that car to Pebble they Beach for yeah. one of the historic races during the summers because it just seems seems familiar to me, that car. Yeah, record-setting car. Yeah, it's still out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, well, I'll get to work on that. See, uh, Thanks. I'll clear a spot in the driveway. Yeah, it's going to make a little noise when I come down the street. (laughs) I'll hear you coming, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you'll know I'm coming, that's for sure. Well, Brian, you've taken us on a fun ride. This has been great. I love what you're doing. I like the passion behind it, the idea behind it, everything behind it. I want to thank you for sharing that story and your journey. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off down the track (laughs) in uh, Steve Millen's Nissan? Uh, Have some fun, my friend. Be careful. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. No, uh, my, my advice to everyone is to drive with your windows down. And I mean that literally, like, you know, enjoy the fresh air, but I really mean it figuratively. Like, don't be so focused on where you're headed that you're not open to what's going on beside you and around you, that you're not kind of enjoying the the road you're passing through on your way to the place you're trying to get. That journey and the stuff that's along the way and the side roads that you wouldn't have taken if you weren't watching, that's the stuff that makes for a rich life and makes for good stories later. So keep the windows down and look around. Ah, it's great advice. I love it. And tunerscare.com. I'll put a link to that where you can find the website. Check it out. We'll figure out, uh, well, up there will be a way for people to buy the books. Is that right? Yes, you bet. Okay, great. And another, again, another shout out to uh, past Cars Yeah guest, Kristen Wells. Chrissy, we, we call her from the LeMay America's Car Museum for introducing me to Brian and what they're doing there. Tech Force and kids love cars too. If you've got little ones in your life, check this all out and get them excited to be the next generations to carry forth this torch we have and this passion for cars. Brian, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars Yow listeners, until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks very much, Mark. It was my pleasure. This has been fun. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!